One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. This podcast is proudly brought to you by Monday Distillery. Monday Distillery are purveyors of beautiful non-alcoholic beverages. Live on your own terms, be true to you, and drink what's good for your body and soul. So many of us feel stuck and unsure of how to make positive changes in life. Journaling is a proven way of keeping yourself on track and creating lasting change. The How I Quit Alcohol Playbook will take you through 365 days of gratitude, daily affirmation, and loads of techniques to help you stay on track and head towards a clearer future. Head to the show notes or iquitalcohol.com.au to grab yourself a copy today. Are you sick of feeling controlled by alcohol? Do you want to drink less? Do you wake up on a Sunday morning feeling really anxious and full of regret? I'm Danny Carr and welcome to my podcast, How I Quit Alcohol. Hi and welcome back to How I Quit Alcohol, season five. So exciting. It's so good to be back after Christmas and having COVID and, you know, all the rest of it. So it's really lovely to be back in the studio and today I'm joined with the gorgeous Kelly Bruhaha. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so pumped for this. Yeah, I'm so <laughs> stoked that you're um, you're here. You're in the yeah. studio and we're having yeah. a chat. It's awesome. So Kel was in my July yeah. challenge group. So you'll be coming on to what? How long? Is, it? is it eight, seven months? I can't count. Yeah. Yeah, seven. Seven months sober for you. Yeah. That's amazing. It's so exciting. I've never been able to do seven months before. What's the longest stint you'd ever done before? I think uh, I did a lot of dry Julys where I only drank on Fridays, so that counted. (laughs) Um, (laughs) (laughs) I think maybe two months was the last one. Wow. Could never stick at it. Yeah, wow. Yeah. Well, you were a good student. (laughs) I I made a real effort because I was determined to, yeah, get it done. Yeah, yeah, and and that you're doing. So you're here around our area because you've got a local gig. You're touring around in your van. Yeah. And how are you finding that with sobriety? Uh, I find it fine with the sobriety. It's more so just 
trying to keep my mindset kind of steady has been difficult because I've been spending so much time with other people. Mm. And so I've been noticing like I'm not doing my morning routine as much because mm-hmm. there's someone to have a cup of tea with really early. Yeah, right, right, <laughs> right. Because I normally live alone and then yeah. when I travel, I'm like, oh, I should go and have a cup of tea with this person at 7 a.m. And then, yeah. oh, I didn't do yoga today. Oops. And then I slowly just get unraveled. Uh, you got to watch that, Cal. <laughs> bit by bit, yeah. Yeah, but it is true. It's hard. I know myself with Ash when we've gone on the road on, yeah. on tour with him and it's re- it is quite hard to keep your routine up at times and it's really a, you've got to make quite an effort mm. to keep the routine yeah. going. Yeah, that's it. And yeah. also like <laughs> even just trying to do yoga like today, it's raining and the other day it was really hot. So I'm just not doing things because of the weather and so trying to figure out how to kind of – contort my body for yoga in the van which is already very small is my next challenge I think to try and yeah are you still up doing the gratitude journaling yeah yeah I do do journaling every day regardless I'm always on top of that it's just more so the the meditation and the yoga stuff yeah is the hard and getting a walk-in is like the hardest thing in the world for some reason which is ridiculous because I literally live on the beach you'd think it was a lot easier than it should be <laughs> yeah isn't it funny i think it's that thing you've just got to get up and do it yeah perhaps yeah um i know when we've been away with my meditation i just literally and i kind of try and do this anyway but as soon as i wake up in the morning i mm. won't even sometimes like i'll usually get up and go to the loo and then come back and then straight into it so yeah I'm still in bed haven't had a coffee i find that's yeah i, makes I it probably easier. need to do the journaling later because i always do it anyway and yeah. do the harder stuff like earlier yeah that's good that you're still doing the journaling though i love the journaling the most like it's so good just unpacking what my brain is saying and then being able to call it out on paper going that's not true yeah (laughs) yeah yeah that's I can't do and I think that's the main thing that I've gotten from being sober is I don't do any of these things when I'm drinking yeah you don't prioritize yourself as much only to get to the fish and chip shop yeah usually (laughs) well that was the case (laughs) for me um you are like the journal queen and yeah. I know with in our graduates group, so everyone that goes through our challenges can have the option then to sign up to our graduates group, which is a new thing. And so it was really great. I know that because Lyndall runs the, the grads yeah, group, yeah. Paul. Lyndall asked you to help talk to the group about the um, the journaling. So what were yeah. some of the tips that you gave them? Um, well, I did the artist way when I first got sober the first time. Um, and it took me forever to get through the book. But I used to do it We when we were touring – Back then, we were flying in and flying out a lot, so I'd do it on the plane. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just found everything in that program really good for my mental health, not so much. I didn't feel, like, stuck creatively, mm-hmm. which I think is what the book's about. Yeah. But I just – I love the getting everything on paper and being able to look at what your brain's saying and then, yeah, you know, being really aware of what the thought is because you've written it down and then gone, oh, hold on. That's, you know, I've been stuck on that for six days now and I hadn't really realised that. Yeah, it takes that power away, doesn't it, from yeah. the thoughts that are there once you get it out on paper. Yeah. The artist's way from memory, because I read that years and years ago, probably, God, over 20 years ago now, but that's very much about just like continuing to do something every day, isn't it? And yeah. getting it down on paper. and Yeah, and it's not... It's not about getting it perfect either. It's just a stream of consciousness for three pages and not stopping yes. and it's kind of about... Um, not being perfect that's the whole point and it really brings up all of your inner child stuff about needing to be perfect as you're doing it too it's so funny what comes up i did some i just did like a couple of weeks of of that recently where i would just like look at something and then just start writing about it so i might look at an apple yeah and then i'd write apple and then just what comes out after that and you think nothing's going to come out 
but it actually does. And the weird, <laughs> like the most profound things come out when yeah. you do that. So that's a really good exercise for people that are listening to, okay, try a stream of consciousness journaling exercise yeah. for a week or two and just see what comes out, particularly if you're feeling a bit stressed and yeah. stuff coming up. Well, I think for me too, it helps me kind of slow my thoughts down so I can jump in on them earlier. Yeah. When, they're, when they're being shitty or negative or whatever. and Yeah. So I love the journaling. And with the artist way, they get you to read through your journal and highlight the thing that mm, keeps coming up. That's right, yeah. And it's kind of really interesting to go, oh, six months ago I still was thinking about this and it's still bugging me now. And it kind of motivates you to yeah. do something about it. Well, they properly. say that we, I, we think the same thoughts, like 90% of the time we're thinking the same thoughts yeah. every day. That's, that's full it's on. It's insane, isn't it? Like It's insane. That's part of your success too in staying, yeah. staying, you know, sober is probably just, the, you know, the journaling, it makes such a big difference. Yeah. Well, it's funny. I was thinking back to the first um, Zoom that we did on the call because I, I decided to get sober mid-June because a friend of mine had started Dry July early mm-hmm. and I'm always pretty influenced by them and I was like, oh, well, she's doing it. I'll do it too. Mm-hmm. And I didn't last more than a week, I think, mm-hmm. doing this Dry July early and then I went on a... I think I signed up for the course that night that I was drinking going, oh, well, I've got to – you didn't even last a week. You better go and try something else. Yeah. Um, and then I went, well, stuff it. I'm going to go on like an eight-day bender <laughs> like, <laughs> to roll roll into July, like really hungover. Yeah. And that first Zoom, I was just sitting there going, there's no way I'm doing three months, like def- maybe a month, maybe, yeah. you know. Yeah. And then I think halfway through the Zoom call, you were like, oh, you've really got to commit to the three months. And I was like – Oh shit! Someone's <laughs> actually going to be like watching and, and noticing if I'm drinking through it. So I had to commit to the three months after that. Yeah, I've just released registration for it. I'm going to try a six week course. Oh, that'll be great. Mainly because this one sold out so quickly, and then I wasn't going to do another one until July. But so yeah. I thought I'll do a, a few six weeks ones yeah. and see how they go, and then they can go off into the graduates group if they, you know, want to keep going with yeah, it. But it yeah. gives. I think we can get a lot of the, the strategies and tools in place in six weeks, I think you know, so. just ram it in. But also, like, if you're a bit scared to do the three months, like, si- six weeks is so much shorter. So it's like, yeah. It's a good try, you I'll know, you can go. see. Yeah, you, you know? just sort of see how you feel about it. So the yeah. registration for that is up on the website, aquidalcohol.com.au, little plug plug here, <laughs> um, if anyone wants to sign up. And I also encourage people, if they want to sign up for any of my challenges, Send me an email too so we can have a chat about it. Make sure it's a good fit mm. because I th- it's nothing worse than if you sign up and you pay all this money for something it's not what you thought yeah, you were going to yeah. get, even though I've got an explanation about it. But it's good just to touch base and, yeah, you know. But I totally. think most people that listen to the podcast would have a general idea of. Well, that's what got me into it. I was listening to the podcast for probably three years before I signed up. Really? You know, because yeah, I was trying to get sober on my own. I was so sure I could do it. And each time I'd, you know, always, oh, I just go back to moderating. It's fine. Yeah. And then, you know, no sooner you're trying to moderate and you're blackout drunk on a stage and don't remember singing and <laughs> I did it again, you oh, know. That's the worst. <laughs> the worst. It's so much better singing sober. Like it's it's so much nicer to be in control and. Yeah. Yeah. I don't play many gigs anymore, even when I sing a lot in the, the lounge room, you yeah. know, or at night with the kids and stuff. And I've noticed my voice improved a lot after yeah, I yeah. stopped. And then Ash's, of course, but he made that part of his sobriety too, was working really hard on the vocals. Yeah, yeah. Working really hard on his guitar and his craft. But um, I didn't really do anything and I just noticed the improvement. Yeah. It's interesting. I think you just, you sing better when you're sober. I think it's, 
you know, it's it's all those muscles that you've taught how to do things, mm-hmm. know how to do them properly when they're <laughs> and you have a drink and they get a bit lazy. And That's so true, yeah. Know? And it's funny this thing that a lot of musicians think that they need the alcohol to yeah to perform. Yeah, and they totally. And you just don't. I find the opposite, especially like when I'm playing in someone else's band. If I've had a few drinks, I know I'm going to be more nervous because I'm not as with it. Yeah. yeah, and it's so easy to oh just have two drinks and those two drinks at the start of the night are actually six mm-hmm. because you just got a bit too nervous and kept sculling them and then yeah yeah <laughs> then you're on stage a bit pissed and yeah crap I stuffed that caught up and it's because I'm drunk it's not because I just made a mistake and then you my head would just like like annihilate me with thoughts that I oh, know and then the inner super mean goes, yeah. and I just made a mistake but I'm was so sure it was because I was drunk. Mm-hmm. It was so nice taking the alcohol away and going, oh, I still make those mistakes anyway. Yeah, did you feel really – because I, I did a uh, couple of shows opening for Emmy Lubitz, my friend, she's um, Tim Pan Orange, and we did a couple of shows here at Brunswick Heads at yeah. the Pitch House. And I hadn't played for a long time too, so, you know, had a lot of people coming to, you know, friends and whatnot, I guess. And yeah, yeah. Um, that was actually the first time I think I'd played, so other than being pregnant – um, and it was so, like, I felt so exposed, even if, like, never... was it a gig, sober gig? Oh, sober, yes, yeah, yeah, it was yeah, only yeah. like last year, but I hadn't played for, I hadn't played gigs for mm. ages, and um, I don't know, I just felt very exposed, and it was really confronting for me, and just what was coming up for me, and I got really emotional, like, yeah, yeah. both nights, I remember I was getting quite teary, and it was, yeah, it was really full on, but it was great, it was really good to experience that completely sober not that I ever did it drunk but I always would have a couple to get up on stage and I guess you miss those beautiful moments when you're drunk don't you on stage I know um I've had a few gigs sober where I I don't know if I've disassociated disassociated or what but like I've really noticed that I'm not there like I'm just Mm -hmm. I'm somewhere else and I'm observing everything that's going on and Mm -hmm. it's it's really strange I'm not sure why I go to that place Mm. sometimes when I'm Mm. playing but um Mm. It's definitely nicer to do the gigs that are way more connected when you're really grounded and yeah. even, you know, I heard on one of the podcasts that Ash does a meditation before he plays and mm-hmm. starting to bring that in a little bit and that's changed stuff too, you know. I think it's really nice. That in. Yeah. yeah, just to sort of really ground down. And I've got a few friends like um, quite, you know, really big musicians that um, backstage they would do some yoga and things like that before yeah. a gig instead of getting smashed. It was like, wow, that's really, really cool. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's awesome. So, yeah. um yeah, tell us a bit about your journey with alcohol when you started drinking. And yeah, I was I, I was young because my siblings are seven and nine years older, so um, I just wanted to do everything that they did, and they were drinking when I was, you know, if they were sixteen, I was nine. Yeah. So I, I think we started drinking around twelve or thirteen, and but I remember like my parents weren't huge drinkers, but we were. They bought us alcohol to drink with them, and like we were allowed. Me and my best mate, we were allowed to split a four-pack of vodka cruises at 13 or something. Wow. Um, which sounds ridiculous now. Like, I look at my 13-year-old niece and I was like, no way would I give you a drink to I know. to drink. But, you know, back then it was just a thing. That's a really interesting thing because I, I know people that, and definitely when we were younger, like the, the cool parents, I guess you call them, yeah. that would let you drink. But often those kids ended up really off the rails. Yeah. And... Um, it's well, not- I certainly became a huge drinker by the time mm. I was 17. I, I remember being proud that I could drink a carton of cider in one night and still stand up, and it was like a badge of honour. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That's because you'd been in good training. 
I was in great yeah. training. I remember at 16 convincing dad that a six-pack of beer would be better for me than a four-pack of cruises because it's got wheat in it, so I would digest things better and have more in my stomach so I wouldn't end up as drunk on six beers instead of four. Oh, my God. Did dad fall for that? Totally. It was great. (laughs) (laughs) He was also the guy that would pick me up and I'd convince I was, like, food poisoned the next day and he'd be, oh, you poor thing. Do you think he knew? <laughs> I don't think so. Mum always did. I'd come home hungover and vomiting and gross and, oh, you've done that to yourself. We've got no bloody empathy for you whatsoever. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Go to bed, you know. So the alcohol, obviously it was sort of took hold pretty early. I loved it. I loved mm-hmm. not being in my head because, you know, I've always been quite shy and nervy and super introverted and not really aware that I was introverted for a really long time. So mm. I'll just... You know, go and do all this social stuff and be like, oh, I don't like it. No. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I, I really loved alcohol for that, just mm. switching the brain off and not having my inner critic kind of hammering me with, oh, they've, they've looked at you that way, they don't like you. And, you know, mm. my thoughts would get really kind of crazy a lot of the time. So mm-hmm. alcohol was great in getting rid of all that for a night. Yeah, and it's little wonder that if you've got that kind of sensitivity – Mm. and you're sort of worried about what people might be thinking or that's what your voice is telling, that's the story you're telling yourself. Yeah. It's a little wonder you want to shut that thing up yeah. and get it offline so you can just relax and yeah, have a good time. Yeah, totally. And I, I drank quickly too, so I would just, you know, drink heaps of beers and not even be – I didn't even think that eight beers was a lot of beers. Like mm-hmm. I remember – I don't know how many times I drove drunk, but it was a lot. But I, I used to think, you know, five beers is legal. <laughs> Mm-hmm. That's a starting point because I was a you know heavier set person too, mm. and then um oh it's only eight that's not many more than five that's fine to drive on and then wow. you know like eight would be a normal session and then you'd always rock up with a carton because you'd you know just in case you ran out yeah. for me so wow. Wow. yeah I was I was a really heavy drinker in my teenage years um and I was in a band and it's funny because that band broke up and I wasn't ever really sure why and. The other chick that was in it with me, she went overseas to travel and we reconnected years later and, and I was like, I've just got this burning question, like, what was all that about? Like, you just kind of up and left. And she was like, you were so drunk at every gig that you would just like get on the mic and just spit crap into the mic for hours and it was just, I I didn't know what to do with that. Like, I, it, it didn't look like you were going to stop your drinking or anything, so I just decided to leave. Oh, wow. How did that make you feel? And I was fascinated because I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. <laughs> I had no idea. You know, I was so oblivious to it. So it was really interesting to hear her perspective. And Do you, you think know? it would have changed the course for you if someone had pulled you up on that? Yeah, I reckon. Yeah. Because mm. I, I never really considered that my drinking was a problem. Even still, I'm kind of like, oh, I wouldn't say I was an alcoholic at all. But, you know, mm. my behavior when I drink is certainly terrible. So, What's your behavior um, when you drink? I just, I get really destructive. Like I drive my car drunk a lot because <laughs> mm-hmm. what I used to do is I'd go to a, someone's house for drinks or whatever, plan to stay the night. And then as I'd start to sober up at four o'clock in the morning, my head would get me and be like, oh, you shouldn't be here. Like you're not actually welcome. That's just what people say to be nice and, you know, things like that. And then I'd get really overwhelmed with all of that stuff, you know, coming in and I'd just up and leave and get out of there because mm-hmm. <laughs> so I would convince myself that I wasn't welcome in this house that I've been you know drinking in all night like this it's none of it's real of course but mm. yeah my brain would totally just hammer me with 
all this stuff that wasn't true. Well, wow, um, so exhausting. So, yeah, so I just, you know, get up in my car. It didn't matter if I'd, you know, drunk half a carton of beer and smoked all the weed in the world and just get out. Yeah, well. <laughs> Go somewhere else, yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's And so... I never got done for DUI either, which I think is probably the worst part of it all because I don't think I'd ever have stopped Yeah. Um, if nothing bad happened, you know. I ended up deciding to get sober because I kept getting blackout drunk on stage and I was doing these tours where, you know, I was the artist maybe at the start of the night and then at the end of the night you'd all come together to do a group song together at the end of the gig and I don't have any memory of being on stage at all and the next day it's, oh, that that version of that Dolly Parton song was great and I was like, oh, who sung that? And they'd be like, oh, you you did like a whole verse. (laughs) I was like, I don't even know the verse. How did that happen? And it's all live streamed and I've got no memory whatsoever. Uh, how did that make you feel? <laughs> I was you... shit. I felt really shitty. I was like, yeah. what have I said and who have I said what to and yeah. who do they think I am and all of the, you know, stuff that you beat yourself up for. Yeah. Being just that drunk person in the corner and Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if that's our writer. Oh, it doesn't matter, we'll drink it anyway. Yeah. You know, just being shitty shitty behaviour around gigs and you know. It's funny, it's one thing I always, you know, work on with people is that finding the, what alcohol is doing for you and for you is obviously that sort of would give you some confidence, I guess, and tame yeah. that inner critic. Yeah. But then the next morning when you wake up, you, oh, the so confidence is gone, the inner yeah. critic's going even worse. Yeah. And it's actually... So much worse. It just makes it worse, whatever it was you were even drinking for in the first place. Yeah. 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 So how's that inner critic for you now, like when you're in people's house? Yeah, I still struggle with it a lot, but... I'm really aware that it's not me, if that makes mm. sense now. Like I've got more control over um, it kind of spiralling into something where I feel really uncomfortable being around people. Mm-hmm. So I, I can kind of jump in and, you know, really be aware like, like that person that just looked at me, that's not them looking at me like, oh, God, I wish you'd get out of my house. They actually just saw something in the bushes outside the window and... <laughs> It didn't mean anything. Yeah. It's, yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing we work, try and work on in the challenge or one thing we address is um, challenging those negative thought patterns and yeah. also the inner critic and just being able to witness it rather than getting overtaken by yeah, it. Totally. Yeah. And I think that's the, the best part that I've gotten out of the courses, all of that inner work too, because, you yeah. know, like it's just so spot on with everything that I needed to do and yeah, that's great. figure out and yeah. yeah. I think that's what makes a difference too when you actually do the inner work rather than just stopping drinking. I think it's more yeah. sustainable because you've actually really addressing some of the core beliefs yeah. and the actual what's actually going on for you. Mm, totally. Mm. And I'm just I'm kind of aware, you know, like I know that the thinking part of my brain gets switched off when I drink. So if I let my leave my brain to itself with alcohol in it, it just goes into places I don't want to go. Yeah, and it's what's happening is it's the emotional part of you. It's yeah. just this sort of reactivity that's happening. It's yeah. not, like you say, this prefrontal cortex has turned off and it's not making good mm. decisions. It's gone to sleep. So what we rely on to actually make our good decisions yeah. is not there anymore. And it's funny, you know, like just one drink, like that one drink is the one that switches it off. Like that's why I can't have one drink. I think I probably could moderate if I, if I could um, mm-hmm. have more control over my thoughts when mm-hmm. I'm drinking, but because of that first one, I just know that I can't be bothered because one is 10, like it's never one. One's too many and 10's not enough. 
and hundreds never enough, or a thousands yeah. never enough, or whatever the <laughs> whatever your thing bad was, things. how bad it was. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, when did you really sort of decide? Okay, I've got to really do something about this. Yeah, I think. Well, I was married early, early in my twenties, um, and that kind of all blew up because of my drinking too. I think I didn't realize it at the time. I think it actually triggered my husband's own inner child stuff because his mum struggled with alcohol a bit as well, and. Um, yeah, that kind of all that all fell apart, and um, I was just drinking really heavily and smoking heaps of weed, and just not. I my thoughts had become unmanageable at that point. I think, and I think I kind of I knew I needed to do something about it then. But I thought the answer was just leave the husband, leave the mortgage, leave all the external stuff, and go and fix myself, and then go back mm-hmm. <laughs> or something, which never happened, of course. But um, from there, I then started like partying really hard so we went from you know I'd go to a gig on a Friday night get really smashed and have a hangover Sunday and or whatever and then it turned into after I left Ben it was like we'd go partying on Tuesday night you know and start you know party drugs and all kinds of thing and then that would go to Wednesday and then to Thursday and you just basically bend it Tuesday through Sunday mm-hmm. sleep on Monday start again because it was like open mics and stuff in town mm-hmm. on Tuesdays and we just Few, me and a few of my mates, we just went hard for a good, goodly amount of time, and it was really bad on on my mental health. I think, and I just got worse and worse and worse, and really, really unwell too, you know. And and just got to a point, I was like, I have to, I have to at least not do drugs or something. Mm-hmm. Take something. <laughs> so you out. know, just started taking things out and then replacing them with better. And I think that's just been a really long, slow process Is over it- the last sort of eight years or so. Yeah. Is it okay to ask about your yeah. mental health? Like how sure. bad that got? Yeah. It got, well, I, you know, I, I think I left my marriage cause I was just, you know, I, I was like, well, I either need to die or leave my husband. Like that's just it was so black and white in my head for some reason. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would just, it kept coming up though. Like it would be, you know, I'd think I'd be all right for six months and then out of nowhere, I'd just go through that all again and start lining up trees to drive into and and it's it's been constant like that for well since then too you know like mm-hmm. I still haven't quite figured that part out yet mm-hmm. but it doesn't last as long as it used to either so I'm kind of in and out a lot quicker mm-hmm. than I used to be and I've I've discovered this new ability so being able to talk about it which I never could you know up until about four months ago or so I don't even think my mates knew that I was struggling or anything you know yeah and like no one knew I was really drinking that much either yeah, they just didn't notice. I managed to mask it pretty well, I think. How's it been for you to share it with people? Like to share? It's been so good. Like people are really kind and really loving, and mm-hmm. um, I I feel like it's like I'm more able to receive love too, mm-hmm. because I've been you know a bit more open, a bit more vulnerable, and it's been great. Like to have you know like such a solid bench that it I didn't know existed. Yeah. Um, and just to, in creating that too has been really a nice experience for me. And now I've got. A lot of support and a lot of people to call. And, yeah, it's yeah. funny when you actually do open up to people and say, hey, I was really struggling or, or it looked like this for me. Yeah. Most people, they really care and they yeah. actually like, they're like, oh my God. Like, yeah, yeah. I remember when Lyndall, uh, who's always on this podcast, you know, we grew up together. I remember when she first told me that she was an alcoholic mm. and in AA and I was like, whoa, What? I had yeah. no idea. I just had no idea. I just thought she was a party, yeah. you know, she partied. Yeah. And um, I just felt for her so much and she was so vulnerable when she shared. Mm. 
at that where where it got to for her, and it was like, oh my god, just no idea. Yeah, and, and people were like that too, aren't they? They keep it to themselves for so long, and they do. But yeah. as soon as she shared, and she felt all the support from people. Yeah. Um, she didn't feel scared anymore, I guess, and she felt supported. And yeah. it was through all of our friend group, through every, everyone was just like so on board with her mm. to help once we knew how bad it was. Yeah. Um, I think it makes a lot of difference once you've got a couple people on your side that know all of it too, you know, and, and not being afraid to just call them out and be like, I'm literally, I don't know, you know, I'm I'm at a train station just watching trains go past. <laughs> like I'm not okay, you know. Yeah. Um. Whereas before, I'd, I'd just sit there for days and hours and not be able to call anybody. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So that's been a real good thing since I I got sober. And, you know, like before, when I tried to get sober the first time, I, I flipped out at work. And we, we were doing these outback tours through the middle of nowhere. Um, and I remember we were in WA and we'd just done sort of a two-week tour through Victoria. Then we had a couple of weeks off and then another three one three weeks through middle of nowhere, Nullarbor, Plains kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just, I flipped out and my body kind of shut down and I ended up in like this six day migraine while mm-hmm. I'm trying to work on the road. And the boss was like, oh, you're really unwell. I, I kind of want to like fly you home because you're completely useless to the team at, at this point and mm-hmm. you're really sick. And, um, but we're in, you know, middle of the Nullarbor, there's no planes to get you home and mm-hmm. we don't know what to do with you. And I was just sitting there going, oh, I don't. I don't understand what's happening to my brain, but I couldn't talk about it. So they didn't know what was going on. They just thought I'd, you know, was physically unwell and just laying in the van being lazy maybe. Um, Whereas, you know, in my head I was just like, well, every time I drive this car I think about driving it into the tree and and things like that. And it was really hairy, but um, couldn't talk about it. So no one knew, you know, and they had to let me go from that job and I couldn't keep doing the job because I was, you know, not doing it really yeah and it would have been you know really hard for them to try and figure out how to work with me and and get stuff done and it just kind of all blew up and then I was just left to do my own solo music and just travel around on my own and it was shit yeah (laughs) and I was like I really need to try and get sober and make it stick yeah and figure out a way to do it you know yeah figuring that out but also that internalization of either the trauma from when we were young or whatever's going on for us. When we start internalizing things and don't Mm. express it, it's when we get sick and it's funny how it manifested with you in a big migraine. That's funny. I've been reading that. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome. Like what if AI could fold your laundry and some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At bluenile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. 
four book um, when the body, when the body, says, body no. says no and I can't get through it. Like I find it really overwhelming to mm-hmm. every time I read a chapter, I'm like, oh, man, if I don't deal with this shit, I'm going to end up with some awful disease. Or <laughs> Oh, it's freaking you out a bit. It's just funny. It's interesting to see what comes up as I read it and I try and get a bit through it. You know, bit at a time, but yeah, yeah, yeah it's a heavy it's book. Fascinating, it too, is. Yeah, you know? the the body keeps the score as well by Vessel Vessel van der Kolk is a great one as well. Mm, I um, that. It's not as clinical, I wouldn't say, as Gabor's one, but um, they're both great books. But yeah, I know what you mean. It's like, oh, fuck, what if I've got trauma there and it's going to give me cancer? Yeah, don't let- <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, but the whole thing is just to acknowledge what's coming up for yeah. you, and that's one thing that we mm. work on in the challenge is to acknowledge the feelings that are coming up rather than trying yeah. to push them away. And that's how we can kind of heal our addictions is by holding our pain rather than running away from it because it's the running away. It's the running away from your pain that causes suffering. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. so being able to hold it and, and experience yeah. it and let it move through, I think that's what moves it through when the healing happens. Yeah, yeah. So I know Gabor says that the trauma happens within the body and mm. it is healed within the body. Yeah, so that, that makes sense. Yeah, I it's like so that. beautiful mm. to think, wow, I've just all I have to do is really, you know, experience this. And whether you do that with a therapist or yeah. you learn to do it on your own, I think it's really nice to do it with a therapist. So, like, I see a, a, the most incredible therapist. She's very body based. And yeah. just being able to work through this stuff and have someone witnessing that and just to yeah. hold you in that space, like, you can do yeah. it on your own. But it's so much nicer to be held. Good to do with other people too. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and it's interesting, like, you know, Lyndall says it in the Zoom all the time, it's, it's never a drinking problem, it's a thinking problem. I and know, I, I totally that. relate to that. Like, yeah. it's so true. It's funny because when I did the um, the challenge, I did the first, I moved interstate to start the challenge as well. So I had like this brand new life and brand new apartment and all this new and it was so good externally. I was like, this is great. Mm-hmm. Look at me being all sober. And I did eight weeks totally fine like it was the best thing ever because I'd started you know meditating and I was doing all the morning routines and I felt Mm -hmm. awesome Mm -hmm. um and then I went back to work in week eight and I skipped a few sessions because I was gigging Mm -hmm. and we were out we did uh like a North Queensland run so we were heaps far from anywhere that was home and I I felt really triggered on that trip for the first but I'd never done it sober before mm-hmm. and I, I flipped out something chronic and then I went to catch up all the sessions and the sessions I caught up were like the inner child one and the belief systems and I think there was another one um, right towards the end of the course and I did it all on the same day oh. um, but it was so interesting to see all that coming up sober and going oh this makes sense why you know I wasn't really coping before drinking because this yeah. stuff's still there. And I was so disappointed because I thought if I got rid of alcohol, I'd get rid of all my mental health problems too. Mm, and, and for the first eight weeks, that was true. And I was like, yes, I win. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because it's a work in progress. Like we're still, we're, like I said, like I, I see a therapist and my yeah. therapist sees a therapist and it's a work in progress. Like we've got to keep working on ourselves. Mm. So, okay, if you're not seeing a therapist, which I really do think everyone should yeah. find a great trauma-informed therapist I really think that's essential. But, Mm. you know, if it's not that, it's like reading books like Gabor's books or, you know, there's so many amazing books out there on trauma and healing and uh, listening to podcasts, like doing something that's kind Mm. of keeping you in and keeping you learning and growing and expanding. And then, of course, the journaling is so important because it's what helps you. you unpack it all, really, isn't it? exactly right. It's what unpacks it all. So I think that's really important as well. Mm. 
and part of the journey and yeah and being connected like you know like that's what I love yeah. about the challenge groups is like there's this community did you how did you feel with that like with the group I loved it with the grads um, yeah I was pretty shy to, to share a lot mm-hmm. in the beginning I think um but then I, I just loved having somewhere to go every Sunday that like I knew even if I was having a shit week there was always that to ground me back into oh that's right this is a practice and I need to do the things or I'm not gonna cope and you know so I found that really good. And then we, I, we, well, we got lucky with the first part of the grads group because there was only a couple of us in there. So I, I had like a bit of an opportunity to not be so shy because there wasn't so many people to, yes. you know, worry about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and now it's got a lot bigger because you've got yeah. the last challenge group of, you know, a lot of them have joined the grads so group. Good. And- so cool to like sit and chat to people like on a real level because, you know, there's still people... I've got a lot of mates who just don't go there with me. They don't want to talk about their stuff, so we don't talk about it. It's really nice to have another group who are totally minded, like, with the journey that I'm on. And Yeah, and they're experiencing know. similar things yeah. at a similar time. Did you join the book club? Yeah, yeah. and I love the book club. Yeah. That's great. I missed that. It was the first book club mm. meeting, and I missed that, unfortunately, because I, I had a coaching call went over, and then I couldn't get into the thing but Lyndall said it was fantastic so cool like because I I read a lot anyway um, you do read a lot but I'm rereading books like a lot of the books on the list I read drunk (laughs) years ago and I couldn't tell you what the book said now um so to go back and reread it sober and see you know there's there's a few things in the four agreements I remember going oh yeah I remember reading that the first time and just going oh that's a load of crap I'm not going to do that. And then this time I got really inspired by it. Yeah. It's funny because I've read The Four Agreements a few times. And so everyone listening to The Four Agreements was one of the books in the book club. Uh, The first book of the the book club. Anyway, so I've read that quite a few times and so has Ash. And then just rereading it to to polish up on it again. It's like I'm actually getting things out of it that... Again. Or it's it's touching me on a deeper level. And it's just like I'm underlining everything and highlighting and it's just such a beautiful book. Yeah. Uh, like Ash says, uh, it should be a book that everyone reads every year. Oh, yeah. Isn't that cool? Yeah. I agree. Um, yeah. Yeah. So the next one for the Grads Group Book Club is is it um, Louise Hayes. Yeah, Louise Hayes. You can hear yeah. your life. An oldie but a goodie. And that's another one I read when I was – I remember being really drunk and thinking that I've definitely got cancer because I can't stop vomiting and it's not just a hangover. It's, oh. it's, I'm definitely, I'm really sick with something terrible. <laughs> has to be. Cause, oh, no. <laughs> you know, nobody vomits all day from alcohol. Can't be that. God, fuck, I remember doing that. <laughs> um, and yeah, like I I think now I've got such more awareness of um, my body as well from doing the course. So I'm really looking forward to kind of getting back into that book with this mindset. And yes seeing the differences I guess yeah yeah yeah. and that connecting into the body like that's so vital it's so important and it's one thing I ram home all the time in the challenges like okay what's you know check in with your body what's going on with your body what's Mm. happening in the body and really feeling into that because we disconnect especially when we've had trauma Mm. or if we've got an addiction problem you know, we're, we're so wired to disconnect from ourselves. So it's part of this yeah. healing is to bring yourself back home and and to experience yourself and yeah. really acknowledge what's going on in the body rather yeah. than trying to shut it down or ignore well, it. Well, I struggled so much with that too. I still mm-hmm. do. Like mm-hmm. I find it really, um, I don't know, overwhelming sometimes to like when you're in your own 
head of just being in a shitty place and be like, I don't want to sit with it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but I've, I've got your voice in the back of my head going, just sit with it. What colour is it? And yeah. Where is it? And yeah. And But what having all those it? tools, it's like there's – I've got so much hope too because I know that I can get myself out of it. Yeah. All I have to do is find the list in my book and, you know, oh, well, of course I feel shit. I've missed yoga for the last four days and haven't mm-hmm. gone for a walk and mm-hmm. – you know. And you really notice it too, if you don't keep that routine going, mm. that's when, the, the, I've talked about this quite a few times, but that's when things slip. And I remember saying this yeah. to the group, the current group at the moment, you've got to keep the routine going. So if you go away on holidays, if you're going away for a work trip, mm. if you're going on a camping trip, take your stuff with you, like take your journal and, and really still make sure you take time to do yeah. that and prioritize yourself. Yeah, yeah. Because that's what we're not doing. When we're drinking and we're smashing ourselves, it's a form he says that in the four agreements, it's a form of self-abuse. We abuse yeah. ourselves all the time and smashing ourselves with alcohol and drugs and bad food and bad thoughts. It's just, it's just a form of self-abuse. Mm. So we want to stop doing that abuse and doing the goods, as I call it now, rather than work, yeah. you know, nurturing ourselves and loving ourselves enough to do the stuff for ourselves. Yeah. And I remember just looking at that whole list at the start and going, there's no way in a million years I'm going to be this, person that does yoga and meditate like no no chance and now i'm really excited to like do those things because i know how much they work yeah and i'm still really surprised at how even just eating well changes my mood i know it changes it's so simple but it's so hard to do in practice i think i know and you just got to keep like even me i've got to keep reminding myself all the time to do those things like check in with my body and make sure I'm eating really well. And because if that stuff slips, then, you know, you start to slip mentally and mm. yeah, it's, it's yeah. And then it's down so the hole you go. <laughs> and down the hole you go. And exactly. then you're driving past the pub and it's 40 degrees and, and all the petrol just came out of your car and you're not sure why. And maybe a beer is a good idea right now. <laughs> but that no. thought a few times and then gone, no, it's, you can handle stress without having to have a beer. It's fine. That's right. So it's being able to hold yourself, like we were saying before, yeah. hold yourself rather than, you know, ditching yourself or abusing yourself. Yeah. Okay, what's going on? Why am I stressed? And what do I really need right now? Mm. Or maybe I need to just go and be with myself. Maybe I need to do some breathing. Maybe I need to be in nature to settle my nervous system. Yeah. Is really probably what you're after. Yeah. In that totally. point. So again, it's checking in with the body. Like, what do I need right now? Mm. What's my body trying to tell me? Yeah. And learning all this stuff, is cha- like, it's just been so life-changing for me. Yeah. You know, I had no idea. I mean, I've, I've heard all, you know, you, when you read, when you're Googling that at night and you're having a really hard time, you're like, how do I fix depression on my own with no, you know, surely mm. an internet article will be the answer. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but it says all the same stuff and you just look at it and you're like, well, that's not going to happen. But it, it's been so good learning that it's, the practice of it is where all the good stuff is. Yeah, but you're so great too because I remember once, it might have been during that challenge, and I don't know why I sent you this particular yoga class. Yeah. But I could gift because I'm on this glow.com um, and they have all these amazing online mm. yoga and you can literally put in like five minutes. That's what I love about it. You don't yeah. have to do it's two hours or an hour and a half. Get or, and do it. Yeah, and you can go, I've just got time for five minutes. But I sent you this one. I think it was Letting Go. Yeah, I'm still doing that same yoga it's class every one. day. It's a really great one. Oh, I think you sent that to me after I flipped out and I was That's I was right. driving back from Cairns and I had mm-hmm. a really long drive and I wasn't very well at all mentally. Mm-hmm. And um, he said, oh, I just think you should do this every day and that'll help. And it did. Yeah. And I'm still shocked at how 
how much of an impact it has when I and I don't notice it till I don't do it yeah. is the other part to that. I know and it's yeah. not a long one I think it's 20 minutes that one but I remember I looked it up because my dad had just died mm. there was I could feel stuff that I was holding in my body from that so I thought mm, something I'm letting go and that came up and it's just great to connect with your body yeah. and do a very simple practice but it yeah. really helps and I find I found it good too because I've done a few yoga classes too which I found really difficult because I'm I'm quite unfit, you know, and um, this one, it was all just twisting your legs around mm. and I really enjoyed it because I didn't find it hard Yeah, and I always thought yoga would be hard for some reason and it's not. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I love about that glow because you could put on, um, sounds like I'm plugging it, but I kind of am because it's so great, but mm. um, I'm not, I don't have any affiliation with them, but that you can do a really like a beginner's class or you might just, mm. you know, it's really good. Yeah. yeah. So anyway, um. Yeah, so amazing, Cal. So well, how do you think life has changed for you? Yeah. Um, oh, it's changed tenfold because my mental health is so much better, sober. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I still really struggle with it, but um, I'm much better at picking up a phone instead of picking up a beer. Yeah. I think that's been the big difference, you know, like if I'm having a shit day. And I don't lie about it to, you know, when, you know, how are you going or whatever? And oh, I'm fine. I'm yeah. okay, you know, whatever. Yeah. Whereas now I'm just like, I, I'm actually a bit shit and I'm better at talking about it and get like pushing through it mm-hmm. quicker, I guess. Mm-hmm. I think if I were to pick up a beer now, I would be exactly in that mental hole, but so much worse, so much quicker. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm pretty certain that if anyone, I can say this publicly because then I can call myself out on it if I do drink. But if you do see me drinking, like, I'm not doing well. So just come and give me a cup of tea and a cuddle, please. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a bad thing if I've got a beer in my head. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 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 I've, it's changed my whole life. I feel I feel more connected to other people than I did. Um, and I like myself, like, a lot more, yeah. which is, I think, a huge thing. Such a huge thing. Yeah. That's one of the things I love the most. It's you think you you get tricked into thinking no one's gonna like me if I don't drink or no one's gonna mm. wanna hang out with me anymore. And that can be the case for some yeah. friends. When I started to feel more comfortable within myself mm. and I'd start to connect with people that didn't drink or didn't drink much, I felt so the connection with them when I was yeah. hanging out was so much richer. Yeah. And yeah. yeah, because oftentimes too, I think I've said this before, but when you're hanging out with people drinking, you're often hanging out with the same people. Oh, that was definitely the case for me. And you run out of things to talk about too because you're hanging out every weekend. So you end up gossiping or, yeah. you know, yeah. talking about people rather than talking about something that's really enriching. Mm-hmm. That's not good. It's just empty words and it's it's not helping you expand at all. Yeah. I found that the connection I was having with people was so much richer and we're having really good conversations and... I felt I respected myself so much more too. I didn't feel bad perhaps yeah. too for, I don't know, having conversations that I shouldn't be in. Mm. I don't know. I love that. And so, so much more connected, even yeah. though I was so worried that I wasn't going to have any connection. That oh, was a big totally. one. And, you know, like sitting around with mates who are drinking, I still really enjoy the start of the night, like a lot. Mm-hmm. I haven't changed. Like I still go to the parties. I still go out. I still go to the mm. thing, but I go to bed quicker. Yeah. And I just... I'm just wondering how much time did I waste when I was really tired and I just forced myself to stay awake drinking, mm-hmm. you know? I, I reckon, because I, I get tired around 9 o'clock, so, and I would normally, when I was drinking, drink till 2 or 3. Yep. So I reckon there was all that time I could have been asleep and actually doing nice things for my body. Yeah. Ash know? says the same thing, particularly when he was on the road. 
um, that he was just tired half the time. So he'd yeah. drink to have some energy. And he says the same thing. I was so tired. He wasn't honoring his body at all. Mm. So now if he's on the road, he might have a little power nap before he plays. Yeah. And he feels so much better. Yeah. But he's listening to his body. He's not... I mean, even that's bad, isn't it? When you're drinking through your tiredness, yeah. you're not listening. Um, how did you find the, the breath... Because you joined in on some of the... Oh, I love the breath work. With Sam Brown. I didn't do yeah. it at the same time as everyone because I sleep in a bit later. So I did the recordings mm-hmm. each morning and... I loved it. I found it really difficult to show up for as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I'd missed a few days and I turned to shit like immediately. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like the breath works, uh, I still, because you've got access to the course once you've done it. Mm-hmm. So I keep going back to it because I'm finding, you know, it's been pretty stressful the last few weeks with all the COVID cancellations and things mm-hmm. going on in the world. Mm-hmm. And um, I've just moved back into the van as well. So that's been pretty challenging. And I'm mm-hmm. noticing. Like I've got a 10-minute meditation I track that I normally do mm-hmm. and it's just not touching the sides at all. So yeah, I feel right. like I need the same stuff to yes. – it's just so much deeper and more enriching and more relaxing. And It's, just, it's so amazing, her breathwork course, mm. and there's big transformations for people that yeah. have done her course. So within our last challenge, we've had a five-day breath course with Sam Brown worked into that and the grads could join that as mm. well. But then Sam also runs her own 21-day like courses as well. I think the next one's coming in March. But I've got some exciting news too. Sam and I are working on something in May together that's down exciting. that's going to happen down in Cronulla, down near her, her way for the How I Could Alcohol community. Oh, so fun. Yeah. It's like an in-person thing? Yeah. Oh, that's even more fun. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. <laughs> but it will go out to the, the, challenge, the people in the challenge groups first yeah. and then to the wider oh, How I exciting. Quit Alcohol community. But we'll, uh, I'll fill everyone in on that once we... It's funny you say that and I just, you know that question when people ask you what your hobby is and like six months ago it was drinking. Right. And, and now it's like breath work and meditation and <laughs> watching Wayne Dyer documentaries, <laughs> <laughs> things like that. And it's so much better to like actually have an answer to what my hobby is. I know. Taking care of myself. <laughs> yeah. Sleeping. Yeah. Loving myself. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I know. It's much better sober for sure. So much better. Mm. So if you could go back and talk to 13-year-old Cal, what would you say to her? Oh, I'd probably say like no one hates you. It's just your brain's being a dick. Um, tell someone, mm. <laughs> you know. You don't need to drink it because it's not real. Mm-hmm. It's not actually happening. You just think it is. Yeah. You know. Did you talk to anyone about that? Those feelings that you were feeling back then at no, that age? No, never. My family, we don't talk about anything. Every, we've got very lumpy carpets, as they say. Ah. A friend of mine says that everything gets shoved under there. and um, You'll be right, just eat a biscuit about it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> very ex- Everything was kind of soothed. Soothed. Yeah. Can't yeah. say that word. Yeah. Soothed. I still can't say it. Soothed? That one. Um, externally, you know, so eating and watching telly and drinking and Yes. Um, Mum was a smoker, so she'd go and have a cigarette and a cup of tea. And, mm-hmm. You know, nothing, no one in my family deals with their stuff at all. No one felt the feels. No. So mm-hmm. it's totally foreign. It's still foreign to me. Like I, I really, I have to work at it quite hard to get anywhere with it because I find it really overwhelming sometimes. Well, you're doing so well and it's early days, you know, it's still yeah, early days. It. So, you know, you think you've got all this time to keep on expanding and growing and yeah. it's so exciting when you think what's out there. Yeah. You know, this it's endless, the possibilities. It's really fun too, like knowing that everyone, you know, when you're on the group and chatting with like you and Lindu and stuff and like you've actually done it so it's mm-hmm. not bullshit. Like you actually, you know, yeah, like I can t- 
take it in a lot more when it'll be like, oh, the first 12 months are brutal, mm-hmm. but you're only at seven. So yeah, you know, just keep going. It gets better. Yeah. And it does. And it I really, really does. trust when she says that too, yeah, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I've had a lot of emails from people lately saying that they've been listening to the podcast now for say a year or a little bit longer or, but they've like hit the 12 month milestone. They're just you know, they're doing so well and a lot of yeah. people are saying it's it's starting to really, really getting in my groove now. So yeah. it does take a while. So if it's, if it's early days for you, for those that are listening, and yet you're still wigging out a bit or you're still not sleeping well, don't worry because mm. just trust in it. Like trust in your body to heal mm. and trust in the process. As long as you're kind of doing something, like yeah. keep yourself, keep doing something, keep diving in. Like, like I said earlier, like reading the books or seeing a therapist like yeah. keep going with it keep working with your body and it will get easier it really does get easier i've spent the last four new years sober because i've gone i'm gonna spend new year's eve the way i want to spend the rest of my uh, year you yeah. know which mm-hmm. is sober so i'd always start new year's eve off sober and then I'd, by Friday I'd be drinking so on every monday from then on and then it was start of every month for about four years just totally you know Trying to commit, but not really. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and But I think you get better at it each time you try to. If at first you don't succeed, try, try again. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. And yeah, just keep trying. Like if it, if it doesn't quite work out, you just mm. go at it again. Just don't give yourself a hard time. Yeah. I think it's really important. But I think it's the, the mindset stuff in the challenge that really made a difference for me is like... Now that I've got my goodbye to alcohol letter and my list, my shit list of, mm-hmm. you, you can totally go and have a drink. This is how you're going to feel. And so I go to that first before I reach for a beer. Yeah. So good, you know, yep. just having that reminder that it's not your friend. And- yeah, it's not your friend. And play it forward, like I always say that. Yeah. Just play it forward. Like, where's it going to go? Where's it going to take me? Yeah, totally. You know? How did you deal, just last question before we go, because someone messaged me this question um, the other day, mm. how did you deal? How do you deal with cravings early on? So it's different for yeah. everybody. But how did you deal with your cravings? Early well, on? I remember. Um, I think the I think I white knuckled through my cravings, but the reason I could was because I think you said in the first Zoom, you can totally have a drink, just call me first. Mm-hmm. And I was terrified of having to call you and like pull you out of your life to be like, oh, I feel like having a beer. <laughs> So I just didn't call for the first couple of weeks. So I was there was like, fear. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> totally. Which we don't normally promote, but yeah, okay. Um, works. And then for me, alcohol-free beer is a big thing. Mm-hmm. I love it. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm kind of proud and kind of disgusted at the same time that I'm so obsessive about getting my beverages cold as much as I was when I was drinking beer. <laughs> Like it's like my whole fridge is just soda waters and different types of alcohol-free beers and yeah. I just keep something in my hand the whole time. I think it's so essential. Like it's so mm. essential. Not It doesn't always have to be alcohol-free beers because that can trigger some yeah. people, but it's you've got to have like a whole lot of selection yeah. and have them really cold and really nice. Really like cold saying. and really nice in nice glasses as well. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I think that helps for sure. Yeah, so that was one of the main things. So that was, that was the thing. The... I just kept my hand busy. Yeah. That sounds really gross and dirty out of context. <laughs> but <laughs> Normally I'm just... telling the dirty jokes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and what else is You can there? do that I guess... too. I mean, that's a great way probably to get through a craving. Yeah. I go, think Go too... rub one out. <laughs> it totally work. I think too, though, just I know that if I drink, 
like I've just I fucked it. Mm. <laughs> you know, like I know I'll be in a shit headspace and I won't want to call because I'll be so full of shame that I've mm-hmm. been drinking. So I just I can't for me. Yeah, which I think is why I haven't had many cravings. Yeah. Um, I do feel a bit like when there's you know the party starts to get a bit drunk. Mm-hmm. There's that that moment of me going, oh, I could just have a beer, mm-hmm. you know, and instead I go to bed and then I get a bit sad that I had to go to bed because I couldn't handle the party anymore. <laughs> um, but I never regret it the next day. So I, I just kind of try and delay my choice to drink and I go, well, I, I want to have a beer now, but I'll wait till tomorrow. And then if I'm going to drink, I'll have a big night tomorrow night. Yeah. And I get through that first night of the party and then there's not a party tomorrow night. So Yeah, that's one thing that we work on in the challenge to like delay and just like distract yeah. as a as a as a as a strategy. Yeah. So delaying just thinking, Oh, I'm not gonna have one now, but I could perhaps have one later, but I'm mm. just gonna delay it and not just have it just yet. Yeah. And that can be really you know, just think, okay, I'll do a lap of the supermarket first or whatever it is, or I'll go do a walk around the block first or yeah. ring someone first, mm. delay it and then see what happens. And I kept doing things like when I was really triggered, I'd go, well, you're allowed to have a drink tonight, but you have to do a meditation and a breath work mm. and a yoga session first. <laughs> <laughs> and I'd great. get through that list and I'd be like, I don't really want to drink. Yeah. I thought I did. You know? Yeah. You got to have a plan of, okay, what am I going to do if the trigger comes like that? Mm. Like, okay, well, I have to do this, this and this first. or yeah. And then I have to, to call Danny first because that's what she said and I really don't want to. <laughs> that's so. right. <laughs> <laughs> you got to call me or Lyndall. But um, yeah, it's, it's, I think that just having something like that to think, mm. okay, I'm going to delay this by doing X or whatever. And if it's not calling me or Lyndall, if mm. perhaps you're listening from the wider audience, but call a friend or call someone yeah. that's going to support you on your journey. And it doesn't even have to be talking about not having a drink. It might mm. just be a simple conversation that just gets your mind off things or have mm. a laugh or, yeah. Well, and the other thing I do is would count up, well, I'd probably have eight beers if I do have a beer and that there's 90 calories in each pure blonde. So that's however many calories, which I'm allowed to go and eat shame-free up to that calorie point. So <laughs> let's go to Macca's and go high. <laughs> <laughs> We would have desserts. That's one thing we would yeah. do. If Ash and I would go out, because we'd never usually did desserts before. I'm probably not promoting the most healthy thing here, but we would, if we'd go out for dinner, we'd say, well, we'd look at the dessert menu and think, well, that's that will be our little treat at the end. Yeah. And so we'd have a really beautiful dessert or something yeah. like that. I don't know, other ways that you can reward yourself. And one of the main things is, like I said earlier, tuning in with the body and mm. trying to, what is it that I'm really after? And if you're finding that your nervous system's really on, particularly if one of, you're one of those people that drink for relaxation or stress, yeah. okay, what what else can I do that's going to calm a nervous system that is not drinking? And often that's just a simple breath work. So the mm. way to activate your parasympathetic nervous system, your, your rest and digest, is to extend your exhale. We talk about that a lot in the challenge. So Breathe in for four, out for eight, or in for three, out for six. I call it the double up breath. Yeah. I've talked about it before. But work on extending the exhale. So breathe out long, long. Breathe long and slow. And usually that can just calm the farm. Mm. And then you can get up and distract and delay. Yeah. And, um, yeah. Thank you so much. And you've got a tour coming out. That's why you're here. Yeah. You're hanging out with me for a couple of days. And then you've got – you're playing at Lismore tomorrow, but the podcast will already be done. Mm. But your website Yeah, website's is... got all the dates up to date because they're changing so much at the moment too. But it's kellybruhaha.com.au. I'll put links in the show notes so yeah. people, if they want to 
I know Lyndall's bought tickets for down in yeah. Geelong. And I think this it's spinning got- me out that I haven't met any of you guys in person till right now. Like I know, I'm just like it's exciting. It's like I know these people. I feel like I've known you guys forever. I know you feel so connected. <laughs> but what's cool is because you're sort of touring everywhere. You've got friends all over the country now yeah. that will probably come to the show and, yeah. and say good day. And but if anyone's just listening, check Kelly out on Spotify. This oh, you're just beautiful. And I was listening to some of your tracks this morning with Ashton. We're just like oh. oh. So beautiful. Um, Yeah, so get out and support your local musicians, Australia, because they've done it fucking tough, (laughs) as has everyone during this time. Yeah, yeah, so get out and see a show if you can, if you feel that's okay for you to do. Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Thank you, Kelly Bruhaha, for coming on the How I Quit Alcohol podcast. Thank you for having me. You're a legend. It's good. (laughs) See ya. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with and Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that and Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.